Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the weekly podcast that explores chronologically the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's the 26th of January 1971 and issue 201 of World's Finest Comics has been published. Isn't that right, Peter? It most certainly is. Yes. It's an interesting period for World's Finest at this point because it stopped being a sort of rolling Superman and Batman and Robin comic and has become essentially Superman's team-up comic. We've had a couple of issues where he's raced against the Flash. Again. Yes. And now we have issue 201. And the best way to tell you about who is guest starring in issue 201 is for Peter to tell you about the cover. At the top of this glorious cover, we have a World's Finest logo with Superman in the left-hand corner with a DC World's Finest banner below him. And on the right-hand side, we have Hal Jordan Green Lantern <gasps> coming at ya. Underneath, we've got their logos. Mm-hmm. And we're in space. Yes. Very dramatic cover. Cosmic background. We have Superman rushing in from the left. We have Hal Jordan Green Lantern rushing in from the right. And it looks like they're about to fight because in between them is... None other than Dr. Fate. It's movie star Dr. Fate. Yes. It's star of the big screen Dr. Fate. It is Ray. indeed. We've now seen the Black Adam film, listeners. <laughs> and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, we did. We mm-hmm. did. And Dr. Fate is saying, Let the battle for Earth begin. And hanging in the background is, of course, the Earth. Yes, we can see the UK quite clearly, which is fun. We can also see Africa. Mm-hmm. It looks as though Ireland's disappeared. Well, maybe it's in its holidays. Yes. Or maybe... Maybe in this parallel universe there isn't an island. Can you imagine? There'd be yes. no Una from Saturdays. Isn't that terrible? Anyway. And in the bottom left corner, there's a banner that says, Now it can be told. The secret story of the fantastic fight to save the human race. Human race, fantastic. Yes, I like this cover. Very dynamic, very cosmic, as you say. Penciled by Carmine Infantino and inked by the legendary Neil Adams. So is this our 22nd-ish Neil Adams cover? 21st and a half Let's say so. Something like that, but no, it's a cracker. My copy has a, a very faint Thorpe and Porter price stamp over Hal Jordan's left knee. A couple of creases in the bottom right. I would say it's probably VG+. Plus. So there we are. There we are. Welcome yes. to Comic Grading with David Steele. <laughs> so, without any further ado, Superman vs. Green Lantern, Dr. Fate's there. Oh, exciting. Our opening splash panel shows Superman in space and Green Lantern Hal Jordan zigzagging towards him and firing a power beam at him. And there is a whole mess of text that I'm going to pass over now to Peter to read to you. Presenting the conflict of the century. Now it can be told. Until now, authorities have asked that the full story of what happened during the second week of August 1970 to be repressed for reasons of international security. Gosh! However... World's Finest Comics has at last gotten permission to tell the tale of the terrible combat between two of the world's mightiest champions, Superman and Green Lantern. A series of dire events that begins with an honest error becomes a ghastly game in which there can be no winner because the reward is... A a prize of peril! And then we have the credits for this issue, and it is Denny O'Neill, writer, Dick Dillon and Joe Giella, artists, and Julius Schwartz, editor. Tremendous. Hype. Superman and Green Lantern. Was this inspired by the line in Sunshine Superman by Donovan? I like to think so. I like to think so too. If this was the Power of Three Doctor Who podcast, we'd probably play out with that song, but it's not, so we won't. But I probably will post it on the socials at some point, so stay tuned for that, listeners. Right, story properly begins on page two. It starts in space as a green glowing figure streaks toward the planet Earth. Yes, a majestic shot of the Earth from space, Hal Jordan zooming, looping round towards it. But behind him, it looks like a large shower of meteors. Hal very helpfully thinks over the next couple of panels. I came out here to get away from the confusion, the turmoil of the Earth's peoples, to escape the agonies caused by pollution, overpopulation, the threat of war, only to find more trouble. A swarm of meteors heading straight for North America. Most of them will burn up when they enter the atmosphere, but the larger ones won't, and that's where I come in. Even with my ring at about half strength, I should be able to deflect that nasty shower. 
There's a little footnote here, an asterisk at half strength, and a caption that further clarifies... Note, the reason the ring isn't up to snuff is amply explained in Green Lantern's own mag. A swift change of scenery now. However, the Green Gladiator isn't the only righteous man to observe the Void-Born Hazard. Void-Born Hazard. Bet they supported menswear at one point, didn't they? I'm sure they did. Yeah, Kraken panel of Clark Kent wearing his now, it seems, trademark brown suit Mm -hmm. and the black and orange striped shirt that he must have borrowed from Bruce Wayne. (laughs) It's all the rage in 1971, wasn't it? We should try and find one each yourself, actually. Okay, charity shops, here we go. Yeah, that'd be a great photograph of us standing in our black and orange striped shirts. (laughs) Clark is looking up into the sky and he helpfully thinks, wonder how the government's new communication satellite is doing. Should be right above me. Uh Uh-oh. I don't see it, but my telescopic vision reveals something else. We can see the, the dotted lines emanating from Clark's line of sight, and we can see the meteors. Final panel, page two. Clark whips off his glasses, whips off his brown suit, whips off his black and orange striped shirt to reveal a Superman uniform underneath as he thinks something that's a job for Superman. We arrive on page three. Two would-be saviours, each with his own unique solution to the same problem. Yes, an interesting split panel sort of thing here, showing on one hand Superman waving his arms around and Hal firing his power beam towards the meteors. Superman is thinking, By creating turbulence in the upper atmosphere, I'm erecting a wall of air, which should do to keep those rocks away. And Hal is thinking, No big problem here. I'll just shove the swarm a bit, increase its speed so the individual chunks will burn up before hitting the ground. Caption for panel... Well, is it panel two? Is it panel three? The caption for the next panel anyway says... Remember the old saying that begins, too many cooks. And it's a shot of Superman with a lot of the meteors swarming around them, going off in weird directions and he thinks, Blast! Something's deflected their path. They're glancing off my wall, going in all directions at once. The next shot, Superman is thinking, and the largest piece is about to turn that jetliner into a scrap heap. We can see this is terrific, you know, commercial airliner flying along. A massive meteor looks like it's just inches away from the aeroplane, casting a massive shadow over it. And Superman is thinking, unless I get there first. And the final panel of page three, he has made it in time, was a massive kabash sound effect as he punches the meteor, and it shatters into fragments, and the aeroplane flies through without any damage. Phew, gosh. First panel of page four, Superman is flying up away from the aeroplane, thinking, now to check out the reason for that near disaster. And in panel two, he finds out that it's... Green Lantern! It figures. That was a pretty dumb stunt, shooting your power beam around without making sure of your target. Look, you're the guy with the telescopic vision. Why didn't you check the area before you blundered into action? Blundered? You should have realised I'd spot the danger and... I should have, huh? Pal, for all I knew, you were brooding in your fortress of solitude, or whatever the devil you do there. Lantern, I've been meaning to speak to you about your attitude. For months, you've been moping around like a wounded prima donna. Sure, and for years, you've been coming on like the granddaddy of greatness. But they are interrupted at this point. A massive blue-skinned face has appeared and cries, ENOUGH! It's one of the Guardians of the Universe. We haven't seen them for a very long time, have we? Mm -hmm. Final panel of page four, the Guardian, we can see his collar, surrounded by burst of green energy looming over Superman and the Green Lantern in space. The Guardian is saying, This ugly exchange is unseemly, unworthy of the participants. Green Lantern helpfully clarifies for those of us who don't know what's going on that it's one of the Guardians of the Universe. He continues in the next panel. I'm sorry I blew my stack, Guardian, only he did make me. We comprehend the problem, Green Lantern of Earth, though you apparently do not. It is a cause of astonishment that it has not arisen ere now. Such as yourselves were foredoomed to conflict. Therefore, we of Oa propose a solution. We suggest a contest. We offer to arrange a game you may play to determine who shall protect Earth from outworld perils. The winner shall have domain over the boundaries of your atmosphere. Agreed? Superman says, I'm for it. Sounds good to me, says Green Lantern. Then I request you to meet at this place on the morrow. But Supes and GL fly off, Superman almost giving a salute and says, We'll be there. Moments later, Superman wings his way into his Arctic Fortress of Solitude. Yes, you see the door lying open. That big keyhole that always makes me laugh. Very, very serene winter landscape. Almost a hint of the, the aurora going on around it. Yeah. As he flies in the open door, the Man of Steel is thinking, I can't imagine what sort of game the Guardians have in mind. Because I am more powerful than GL. Surely I can beat him. But those immortals have been around a long time. Billions of years. 
I trust them to come up with something fair. In the next page, Superman is inside the fortress and he's operating some equipment. As he does so, he's got a little microphone in front of him actually that we can see. He's podcasting. The Krypton <laughs> Memoirs. <laughs> He's recording his chronological weekly journey that involves <laughs> <laughs> involves the development and legacy of the Kryptonian characters through the DC comics of the Silver and Bronze Age or something. I would subscribe to that. I would too, probably. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Anyway, as he twiddles with knobs and dials, Superman is thinking, in any case, I'd better alert law enforcement agencies not to expect any help from either myself or GL for the next few days. And a caption says, Notes. This is why the story had to be suppressed at the time. Knowing that Superman and Green Lantern were out of action, the criminal element would have had a field day. Gosh, this suggests that they're, that they're real, doesn't it? Mm. There's another caption. And elsewhere, the Emerald Crusader confers with his sometime best friend, Green Arrow. And this caption is rounded out with a very dinky little bow and quiver. <laughs> and panel three of page six shows Green Arrow in conversation with Green Lantern. Now, they're obviously co-starring in the pages of Green Lantern. Green Arrow, at this point, will be doing an issue of that series fairly soon. His sometime best friend, I suppose that hints at the conflict that occasionally pops up between yeah. them. But anyway, in this panel, Oliver is saying, You sure you can handle this scene, chum? I mean, tangling with Superman is pretty heavy. GL replies, I'm not at all sure, but I've committed myself to trying. And if there's one thing I've learned these past few months, it's that you just don't weasel out of a promise. Now, excuse me, I have a little ceremony to perform. Oh, cracking. Next panel's good. It's Green Lantern charging his power ring and he says his oath. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. And he thinks. It seems a bit silly to refer to Superman as evil, but I need this little ritual to sort of remind me who I am. A slow dissolve then for the final panel of page six, a caption says. So the next day at the appointed hour. And we see Superman and Green Lantern in space with the face of the Guardian beaming out of the green blast of energy in front of them. The Guardian says, are you prepared to engage your energies in struggle? I am, says Superman. Ready as I'm likely to be, says GL. The Guardian continues. Then meet your contest supervisor. A tiny caption says, continued in the second page following, in the first panel of page seven, another figure has joined the party. Green Lantern exclaims, Dr. Fate! Yes, you can see the familiar blue and gold garb, Superman says, but you should be across the vibratory dimension in Earth too, Dr. Fate says. I have breached that void for reasons of no concern to you and have been enlisted by the Guardian in this manner. Panel two. The mystic mage gestures with his hand, and, well, thankfully he describes what image he has conjured up. Your task is simple, merely to grasp this purple dragon, an enchanted object from my universe, and declare yourself the winner. Yeah, we see this purple, oh, is what it is, really, it's a purple dragon. Mm. Big long tail, big long neck, bright pink eyes, big pink mouth. Green Lantern remarks, Simple is right, too simple, there's gotta be a catch. And we have a wider image to round out page seven as Dr. Fate gestures again and explains, Indeed, for to reach the dragon you must pass through this ectoplasmic tunnel. The object of your striving will be at yon far end where the halves converge. And within, I shall conjure that which each of you fears most in all the vast cosmos. You must overcome that thing you dread ere your goal is attained. Yeah, it's a weird one. I'll just, we might put this one in the socials for mm -hmm, the sake of clarity. Yeah. There's a shining golden orb in the background of the panel and a big sort of electrical charge coming off it and two big, long, twisty, they almost look like intestines or worms that have been cut in half yeah. and hollowed out, mm -hmm. stretching out from either side of it. Those are obviously the ectoplasmic tunnels that Dr. Fate is talking about. It looks uh, like a fun water slide, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it does. That's going to be putting it. The first panel of page eight, the Guardian says, Assume your places. Green Lantern, as he approaches his tunnel, says, one question first. Superman has a few advantages over me, like speed and strength. Dr. Fate replies. You forget he is vulnerable to magic. I have so arranged the contest that you are equal for its duration. And then he continues in panel two, page eight. Now, if there are no further queries, begin. And may he whose soul is greater triumph. And with that, Green Lantern flies into his ectoplasmic tunnel and Superman heads into his own. The caption for panel three. And so they go, down shimmering corridors woven of the stuff of dreams, each toward a separate encounter with fear. And us, we follow first the path of Green Lantern. 
And Hal thinks to himself over the final couple of panels of page eight. Eerie. Reminds me of my awakening when I had my tonsils out as a kid. Hard to tell whether anything's real. I'm racking my brain, can't decide exactly what I'm supposed to be scared of. An arch enemy? A natural phenomenon? A supernatural phenomenon? There's nothing I really fear. That's why I was singled out to be a Green Lantern. Tiny caption tells us continue the third page following. We arrive at the top of page nine. A caption says, Suddenly, from nowhere... Yes, a weird, scary-looking sort of yellow tendril has emerged and starts to wrap itself around Green Lantern. He looks very alarmed and thinks, uh, A cable or something. Sticky as the devil. And he continues in the next panel. As I thought, my ring's useless against it. Stuff is yellow. And more's on the way. After an asterisk at yellow, a tiny footnote says, Note, because of a necessary impurity in its structure, the ring is powerless against anything coloured yellow. Wonderful. So we see in panel two of page nine here that the tendrils are wrapping themselves around Green Lantern's leg. And then in panel three, see that his legs are bound together and the tendrils, the cables almost, wrapping themselves around his torso, binding his arms to his side. Green Lantern's thinking, Being wrapped up like a birthday present. Wonder who the lucky kitty is who'll get me. These strands are not only sticky, they stink. And there's a weird sort of sound effect at the bottom of this panel. Then GL thinks, What's that odd scraping noise? Sounds like it's coming toward me. We get a caption for the final panel of page nine that says, At that moment, the valiant mortal sees it. His blood freezes. A sour warmth collects in his throat and his heart pounds. Fantastic shot of Green Lantern actually here. Sweat pouring off his brow and he looks very panicked as he thinks. Yeah, can't stand the sight of it. Making my flesh crawl. And the first panel of page 10 reveals that the tendrils and cables are actually, well, it's part of a giant spider's web and a giant yellow outer space style hairy spider is looming over him. Oh my goodness. Green Lantern is thinking. Spiders never bothered me before. Why now? It doesn't figure. Do I quickly sort of think here, is when he says, the caption says, the valiant mortal sees it. Mm-hmm. Did this inspire Stephen King? May have done. Mm, interesting. May have done. Panel 2 of page 10 then, Green Lantern fires a power beam up towards the spider, thinking, It's yellow, just like its web. My ring won't help me, and I can't help myself. Coming closer, I can smell its slimy juices, feel its full breath. Oh no! The spider looms over Green Lantern, its mouth wide open, ready to swallow him up. And he thinks, That maw opening to devour me, to crush my bones like toothpicks to feast upon my body and there's nothing I can do. Nothing my ring can do. First panel, page 11. You see him struggling in the yellow cords as he thinks. No, I can do something. I can stop depending on my ring. Use my muscle, my will. If I try, I can break these bonds. And Green Lantern starts to pull at the spider's web with his hands and he's kicking away with his feet as well. You can see that he's concentrating really hard. Thankfully, Panel four, there's a snap sound effect as he breaks free from the web and flies away, thinking, And I'm free! Where Green Lantern failed, playing how Jordan, the ordinary man who's really me, succeeded. Now, on with the game. I'll be on the alert for any other overnourished buggies in this tunnel, though I strongly doubt I'll run into any. Dark Fate said we'd be tested against the one thing we fear most. And I've had mine. Looks like I've got clear sailing to the dragon. Wonder how Superman's making out. Clear Sailing to the Dragon. That's an album track from the third Coral album, I think. First panel of page 12 has a caption that says, How indeed is the Man of Steel faring? The tiny little dinky Superman logo, which is quite charming. And we see Superman flying through his tunnel, and straight away he quotes the Magnificent Seven as he thinks, So far so good. Not a problem in sight. Can't help feeling Dr. Fate was joking. I'm not frightened of anything that I know of. Now he kind of pulls himself up in panel two because we hear a voice crying, Kal-El. And Superman is thinking, My name, my real name, the one given me by my parents in the world of my birth. And that voice, vaguely familiar. And then in the next panel, there's a giant red boot in front of him. Superman is clasping his head with surprise as a voice above him says, I hope you're satisfied with yourself, Cal. Supes is thinking, A giant? Dressed in Kryptonian clothing, I, I'm afraid to look at his face, but I must. I'm compelled to raise my eyes and see. And then he says out loud, Father, as he recognises, well, very helpfully, this green, yellow and red clad figure says, 
Yes, your father, Jorel. I've not seen Jorel on the podcast for a long time. This is quite nice. Continued in third page following. We pass a massive double page advertisement for Columbia Record Club. Now, save almost 50% on the hit records you want. And here are your savings in advance. Any 12 hit records for only $2.86. Now let's have a look. There's some Crosby, Stills and Nash. There's some Johnny Cash. There's some Simon and Garfunkel. There's mm-hmm. the best of Tommy James and the Shondells. Mamas and the Papas. The best of the Bee Gees. Another Crosby, Stills and Nash. Donovan's greatest hits. His second mention. The Moody Blues are there. The Jimi Hendrix Experience. Iron yep. Butterfly. Three Dog Night. Bobby Vinton, The Birds, fantastic. I can actually see Roger <laughs> McGuinn and David Crosby. Amazing. Otis Redding, Tommy Rowe, Procol Harum, Mungo Jerry, Steppenwolf, all sorts of stuff. Yes, I think it would be very easy for me to pick 12 records. But anyway, we move on to page 13. And the giant Jorel, looming over Superman, almost like he's waving a hand at him dismissively, is saying, You thought I was killed when Krypton exploded, eh? Well, you were wrong. These many years I've been observing your antics, and let me say I'm very disappointed in you, young man. Superman looks a little crestfallen at this point as the giant Jor-El continues. Instead of following in my footsteps and becoming a scientist, you frittered away your time in pursuits best left to others less gifted. I... I'm sorry, father. You say you're sorry, but you're not. I'm going to have to punish you. Yes, Jor-El doesn't look impressed at all. As a downcast Superman thinks, I've always wondered whether my father would have approved of me. There's been no way of telling till this moment. And this final panel of page 13 is horrendous for those of us who grew up in West Central Scotland in the last 50, 60 years, as Jorel has picked up Superman, put him over his knee, and starts scalping his backside. Giant Jorel says, This will hurt me more than it hurts you, son. It's a shame he didn't say I'll give you something to cry for. Superman looks very upset and says, Punish me, Daddy! I deserve it. And that's where we're going to finish the podcast, folks. It's been wonderful. It's been a lovely couple of years. Uh, I don't think we can possibly top that. <laughs> yes, that panel's definitely going on the socials. I can't wait to tweet that. Gosh. It'll probably be reported. Yes. In our latest episode, Action with Jor-El and Superman. <laughs> this board, anyway. World's finest spanks. <laughs> yes. The first panel of page 14 is a giant slip sound effect. It is basically Superman gets his backside scalped as he thinks, I guess every orphan secretly fears not living up to his parents' expectations. And there's a spop sound effect as he gets smacked again in the next panel and thinks, and I'm doubly an orphan. I lost my mother and father and my world while still an infant. I feel like I'm still a baby. And of course, that's exactly how I'm expected to feel. And he stands up on Jorel's knee in the next panel, thinking, I'm a full-grown man. My father couldn't tower over me. That means I must be imagining all this. It's an illusion conjured up by Dr. Fate's magic. Then he says out loud, Okay, that's enough. I refuse to be slapped around by my own imagination. Insolent brat, cries Jorel. And then, the final panel of page 14, Jorel's obviously gone to slap Superman again, but his hand passes right through him. As a triumphant man of steel says, No, go, you don't exist, and I know it. Over the page, first panel of page 15, the giant Jorel starts to fade out. As Superman thinks, He, no, it, is vanishing. Back into my hopes, my memories. And Superman continues to fly down the tunnel in panel two, thinking, And my fears. I should have understood that Jorel's disdain is the thing I most dreaded. I've beaten it. I suppose I should feel triumph, but I don't. It's reminded me of the horrible tragedy that will dog me for the rest of my life, and I'm forced to realise that I'd trade all the power, the glory of being Earth's Superman, for the existence of an ordinary citizen of Krypton. Gosh. Caption for the next panel. Then the twain meets. Nice caption. Almost at an angle. It looks like a little bit of scroll with the Superman logo and the Green Lantern logo. Mm -hmm. And we see the purple dragon up on a sort of table. As Supes flies in from one side, and GL flies in from the other. Superman is thinking, From here on it's a race, one I'm bound to win. And GL thinks, I don't have a prayer of besting a super speed, but I have a hunch about that dragon. And I've got nothing to lose by testing it. Dark Fate said it was enchanted. And he didn't ever say it's a statue, so I'm betting it's real, held captive by that aura around it, which my power beam should be able to dissolve. Yeah, great panel here showing Green Lantern in dynamic action. He looks, you know... This 
for the first time, actually, in any of the stories we've done, this looks like the Green Lantern I remember reading when I was a wee boy. Mm, you know, just yeah. I don't know if it's just the the shading, the tones of the grey. I don't know. The, the white gloves obviously being very clear. I don't know, but it's it's terrific. Well, I think Dick Dillon's Green Lantern was the first one I came across. Yeah. Obviously, the pages of Justice League. Justice League, yeah. So yeah, this is the one that we probably both kind of latched onto mm-hmm. as kids. Mm-hmm. He looks good. Mm-hmm. So GL fires a power beam at the dragon, as he says, and the caption for the first panel of page 16 says, Green light meets purple haze, and the shimmering halo around the dragon melts like ice in a furnace. The creature stirs and grows, and grows, and grows. Yes, very dynamic panel. And obviously there, a mention of purple haze, so that's the second time we've talked about Jimi Hendrix in this Mm -hmm. podcast. Panel 2 of page 16, we see Superman backing away from the giant purple dragon as Green Lantern smiles and thinks, As I hoped, Superman is so startled he's balked. And that gives me time to put a power ring cage around the beastie and win. And with that, GL projects from his power ring and a massive cage appears around the dragon. The dragon has a nice long neck though, which is not restrained by the cage. <laughs> Maybe the cage could have been a bit bigger. Anyway, Green Lantern says, Sorry chum, looks like brains top brawn. I've snared the dragon. Have you? says Superman. Look! And the final panel of page 16, very helpfully, Green Lantern says, The cage! It's falling apart like wet tissue! Yeah, it almost looks like the cage is melting, dissolving, mm. as the dragon rears up. And Superman says, Correction! It's being clawed apart! Apparently your power ring just plain doesn't work against Dr. Fate's enchantments! I suspect my strength won't either, but I've got to try! Superman thinks in the first panel of page 17 as he loops around and flies towards the dragon. The dragon looks enraged. And indeed, in panel 2, we see the dragon is firing bolts of yellow energy at Superman, who recoils and thinks, Ah! No good! Against magic, I'm about as powerful as Don Knotts! Who's Don Knotts? Who is the... Uh, is he another... Is yeah, he a mate of Don Rickles? Must be. Anyway. Yes. All these Dons. Yes. Listeners, tell us who Don Knotts is. Thank you. Don Knotts, Don Rickles, Don Corleone. Yeah. Loads, loads of Dons. Don Henderson. Mm. Don McLean. Don of the Dead. The next panel, Green Lantern and Superman are side by side. And Green Lantern says, The dragon's bursting out like it's got a purpose. I'm sure it has. GL, I'm beginning to think we've been playing for suckers. But we'll worry about that later. Right now, we've got to keep that overgrown lizard in sight. Yes, and we see in the background the dragon is... It looks like it's laughing, actually. Mm-hmm. As it flies away. And in panel four, we see the dragon has burst through the wall of the structure they're all fighting and is flying off into the distance. We can see a glowing shape in the background. Green Lantern says, It's moving in a straight line with no hint of confusion or hesitation. And it's heading for a satellite, says Superman. And as we move closer to the object in the final panel of page 17, Green Lantern says, Our satellite, the Justice League headquarters. Soup says, Our friends won't have a chance. It's up to the two of us to stop the creature. Only we can't. It's proven stronger than both of us. Far stronger. And we see that this giant Brontosaurus Diplodocus-shaped thing is now very, very close to the Justice League satellite. A caption says, Continued in second page falling. We pass a full page advertisement for a giant life-size moon monster that's over six feet tall, horrifying, exciting and thrilling. And apparently it's free when you join the Monster Fan Club for one dollar. Listeners, did you do that? Please, please, please write in and let us know. So as we arrive at the top of page 18... Green Lantern says, I've an idea, a very slim idea. My beam enlarged the dragon, so apparently the power ring can have an effect. And Superman says, I'm beginning to see. Go on. And with that, Green Lantern gestures, and he continues in the next panel, I'll surround you with a green energy globe, like a tiny self-contained universe with you at the centre. Maybe, just maybe, the thing's magic spells won't be able to penetrate it. Yes, we can see that Soups is now in a green bubble as he flies down towards the dragon. Green Lantern continues, By combining your strength and vulnerability with my lantern light, we might have a shot at taking it. Superman very enthusiastically says, Here I go. And then panel three, as he draws closer to the dragon, he says, Not the most likely plan, but it's the only game in town. We have a couple of panels thrown out page 18 as an inset panel, but the first one is captioned, And inside the JLA satellite, where the Atom and Hawkman are on monitoring duty... Yes, they probably sat there lamenting the cancellation of their own comic. I would think so. Yes, the Atom is saying, Either this view screen is haywire, or I flipped my bitty mind. We can see the dragon is on the screen in front of them. Hawkman says, I see it too, Atom. Have we both gone insane? And then in the inset panel I mentioned, we got a very dynamic close-up of the Atom saying, Either way, there's nothing we can do except lean back and enjoy the show. Page 19 starts with an epic, massive panel of the dragon 
looming over the satellite with Superman in his little bubble. A caption says, And an unequal show it is, as the Justice Leaguers watch, the action ace plummets like a juggernaut toward the awesome reptile. Gosh, how exciting. Caption for panel 2, page 19. Gouts of blazing death leap from the beast's eyes and... Yeah, red energy beams firing from the beast's eyes at this point, surrounding, but not penetrating, the bubble that Superman is in. Superman is thinking, exactly as GL figured. Those rays aren't getting through. No doubt the creature is a bag full of other evils, so I better not give him an opportunity to use them. In the final panel of page 19, it almost looks as though the green bubble is shaping itself around Superman as he punches up at the dragon, thinking, might only get a chance for one punch. Got to put everything behind it. And a caption says, A soundless concussion seems to shake the void of space itself as the energy-clad fist drives home. And then the first caption on page 20 says, then, incredibly, like magic, the ectoplasmic form sunders and bits waft away into the endless void. Yes, it almost looks as though the dragon was made out of sort of like plastic or plaster or something. Just as it says, mm. fragments, it's all broken up and they're drifting in space. Green Lantern arrives beside Superman in the next panel saying, Nice going. Prettiest sock I've ever seen and the most effective. That spook won't bother us again. And have you noticed, faced with common danger... We've forgotten all about our game. We should never have begun it, because we let ourselves be used as pawns in a scheme to destroy the Justice League. Mind explaining that? In nice, simple words? It's obvious. Dr. Fate wouldn't ever endanger the Justice League, or us, either. And neither would the Guardians. We've been had. Fate couldn't cross into this universe. His cosmos and ours aren't in conjunction at this time. We've been dealing with an imposter. And I, for one, am hopping mad. On that, chum, you've got company. They both fly off together on the final panel of page 20, as GL says, Any idea who our masked con artist really is? He has to be a JLA foe, an extremely able magician, so there's only one possibility. First panel of page 21 is captioned. At that instant, 4,000 miles distant. Poet and didn't know it. Yes, we see Dr. Fate. Is it Dr. Fate? Hanging in space, his cape billowing behind him as he thinks, The fools, how easily they were duped into destroying themselves. I needed the beam from Green Lantern's ring to activate the dragon spell, the only device I could use against those costumed do-gooders. By now, the ectoplasmic reptile has annihilated them, as I programmed it to do. And very helpfully here, Dr. Fate has an index finger up to his helmet as he's thinking. Hmm. <laughs> but we notice behind him, there looks like a, well, a streaking green ball. Is that another meteorite? I don't know. But in panel three, Dr. Fate whirls around and sees this green fireball hurtling towards him and thinks, Eh? That's odd. A green comet, and it's coming toward me, almost as though someone were guiding it. And then in the final panel of page 21, the green fireball fades out, and Green Lantern and Superman emerge. Green Lantern cries, Off with the disguise! And into the fray, concludes the Man of Steel. Dr. Fate recoils, and in the first panel, page 22, Green Lantern blasts Dr. Fate with a burst of energy from his ring, and the Dr. Fate costume disappears. Green Lantern says... Masquerade's finished. Superman says, Right, though I'd much rather look at Dr. Fate's costume than Felix Faust. And we get a close-up of Felix Faust in panel two. Has he been in the podcast before? Yeah, he was in the first JLA-JSA crossover because he's one of the crime champions. And did we not do a JLA 14 or 15? Was he not involved in one of those stories? I can't remember, but it's been a long time then. It's been quite some time. Yes, Felix Faust wears sort of blue robes, an orange metallic looking collar. He's a weird little blue hat with little stars and moons and stuff and little on the band that sort of goes around the top. It's very odd. Listeners, we're sure you know what he looks like and one of these panels will probably end up on the socials. Felix looks caught out and un unhappy and he cries, I'll yet taste victory. My eldritch skills are more than a match for you. Off camera, GL says, Could be, if we gave you time to use them. And GL's beam fires down. And Felix is immediately imprisoned in a transparent green glass cage. We see Green Lantern holding him in possession in the next panel. GL's saying, Face it, Felix. You're no more than a flea-bitten sideshow fake. You can practice your sleight-of-hand tricks on your fellow inmates. I judge you'll have years behind bars to perfect your technique. And it almost looks as though Green Lantern is directing this glass cage away because Felix is gone in the next couple of panels. And the second last panel is a nice close-up of our two heroes as Superman says... No need to check with your bosses, GL. Faust undoubtedly cast an illusion of the Guardian we talked with. Check. And that about wraps it up. I can't say I'm sorry all this happened. We had a precious reminder that rivalry and jealousy brew nothing but trouble. 
And the story concludes with a nice dynamic image of our two heroes flying over our home planet as GL gestures to it and says, Wouldn't it be nice if they learned it too? And we don't have a caption, but that is an effect. The, the end. end. But we do have another caption that says, Next issue, together again, the world's finest team, Superman and Batman. And maybe you'll find another podcast that's going to do that story, but we won't be doing it, sadly. No. So, it wasn't the real Doctor Fate. No. <gasps> but it technically, in a way, counts as an appearance, which is why we did it for the podcast. <laughs> we couldn't not do a comic that has Doctor Fate on the cover. That's very true, yes. But I do expect a few, well, actually, comments from people. Yes. <laughs> but that's fine. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Very, very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes, very funny in places. Un- Incredibly funny in places. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I liked the little recap at the start when Green Lantern told us everything that had been happening. Mm-hmm. In the pages was on comic, all the stuff about overpopulation, <laughs> pollution. He's obviously gone, I'm fed up with the hard traveling heroes. I'm going to yeah. go off into space for a little while. But it's, it's not just what's happening in Green Lantern, it's in pretty much everything Danny O'Neill's writing. We've had it in Justice League of late. I'm sure, it pops up in his Superman run as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I think as you said in preparation, this is you know, reminded us this is run about the time of Kryptonite No More and mm-hmm. pages of Superman. He was depowered and not quite as super as he had been. Yeah. You can't ever really make Superman realistic, but they certainly toned him down a little bit mm-hmm. at this point. First of all, I do love the fact that uh, they're just really at each other's throats straight away. Because recently we've had... Superman seemed to be almost out of character in a lot of these stories that we've done, where he seems to be kind of more aggressive and more aloof, as it were. Like we had that uh, issue where he was talking to the Flash and he's like, oh, but I'm an alien, yes. I'll never find love, etc., yes. etc." Yes, I know what you mean. Whereas here he's just being a bit hot-headed for Superman. We expect it from Hal Jordan, because that's kind of his personality. But it's unusual to see it in Superman. I'm still more used to the, you know, hanging about with Jimmy Olsen, uh, giving him life lessons. That's a Superman that I'm kind of more used to at this period. But obviously this is the change, the big changeover. It comes with his wardrobe, I think. Yes. That orange shirt brings some attitudes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, I mean, cause look, I mean, just looking at him on page two there, it's so different from the traditional blue suit and mm-hmm. white shirt, red tie sort of look. Yeah. You know, it's not jarring. Mm-hmm. It does work for Clark, I think. I mean, he was he obviously, I think he wore that outfit in one of the Jimmy Olsen stories that I talked about the other yeah. week. It does bring him up to date, and it's, it's maybe good that his attitude has evolved a little bit as well. It makes yeah. him a little bit more relatable, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose. And of course, had he started being a... A newscaster at this point? Is, is he basically Ron Burgundy? I think he had been. So, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not just Superman's shirt that's orange. That jetliner that he saves is completely <laughs> orange. It's so weird. No, you're right. I, do you know what? I don't even think I thought about that when we were doing the story, but it, you're right. It's very odd. It's very like unusual. It's Goldfinger's private jet or something? Yeah, it is. It's so, oh. so weird. No, you're right. I mean, because... <laughs> Listeners, maybe if you were around at that time, can you mm. tell us if commercial airliners were painted a bright orange? I don't think they were. Unless it was Bright Orange Airlines Limited. But there's definitely yes. a logo on the tail. Mm-hmm. It's not very clear. It looks a bit Pan Ami, the logo. Yeah. It's an interestingly sort of disposable story in a way, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the Green Lantern and Superman confronting their fears, going into the cave and confronting yeah. their fears, thing's quite interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. The spider's quite scary and... The Jor-El sequence is unintentionally hilarious. That hasn't oh, it's just aged terribly well. Yeah. Punish me, Daddy, and all that. <laughs> we should actually have a look at Felix Faust's plan here, because basically he's got this... Is it originally a statue, perhaps? Maybe that's why it broke apart so easily. He's got this space ah, dragon. Yes. And he basically has to charge it up and then use the energy that Superman and Green Lantern can provide to destroy the Justice League. That seems to be his plan. Yeah, the ectoplasmic reptiles annihilated them as I programmed it to do. I need the beam from to activate the dragon spell, the only device I could use against. So ultimately, it's just another Felix Faust trying to destroy the Justice League story. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an, I like the idea of him using Dr. Fate because obviously Supes and GL are going to trust them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And GL is going to trust the Guardian. Yeah. But again, has Felix Faust manipulated their reactions and made them slightly more aggressive? Did he bring down the, that meteor shower and attempt to manipulate the situation? That's a point. That's what creates the conflict initially, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then the, the Guardian popping up and saying that it was a cause of astonishment that this has not happened before. Yeah. That's why they would believe it, because you're like, oh God, right, maybe we have mm-hmm. been a bit bad and the Guardian's been keeping an yeah. eye on us. And, oh, yeah. But that brings up another point. Felix Faust obviously knows about Dr. Fate because he's you know had encounters with the crime champions and knows about the Earth 2 guys. Mm-hmm. But how does he know about the Guardians? Ah, uh, is, is that public knowledge? Is that something, you know? It's like in, in Resurrection of the Daleks when Davros knows what Time Lords are. Yeah. Uh-huh. When he's been in two stories before that and most of that time he's been in suspended animation. Yeah. 
That's that's a good point. That is interesting. So yeah, and well, knows them well enough to actually impersonate one as well. That's the thing. I did find it hilarious that uh, Superman's using his ham radio equipment to inform the authorities that don't expect to see me around the next couple of days. Yes. Um, what? That's that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. for this, just for this personal grudge contest, you know. Yeah, there could be earthquakes, there could be volcanoes exploding on Earth, but no, I'll, I'll yeah. need to go. And, I'm too busy. Yeah, and I like the conceit that the stories are saying we had to suppress these facts <laughs> as if it was all real. Yeah, that's quite funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's it was interesting because it had some some of the, the what you'd expect from Denny O'Neill of kind mm-hmm. of making a serious point. Yeah, but it wasn't laboured. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't given the same emphasis as the pollution in the JLA story that we did with the vigilante or some of the issues they've touched on. And mm-hmm. it's almost like it was kind of softened for a family audience because they were still, was still making a serious point about yeah. Yeah. Superman and Green Lantern and having belief in yourself and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very interesting. Yeah. You should talk about their individual fears because House is interesting because it's yellow, obviously, you know, but a giant spider... It's it's an unusual one, and again, you know, just he's supposed to be pretty much without fear, which, to be honest, Aye. I think makes him a psycho. But <laughs> spiders never bothered me before. Why now yeah. doesn't figure? Yeah, exactly. So he's again, he's been manipulated into yeah. into trying to overcome this fear. I and mean, then, these ectoplasmic tunnels. Who knows what they're really made of, and mm-hmm. could the way they've been built by Felix? Could they be sort of manipulating? Could there be some? The whole thing could be an illusion. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so it's it's not yeah, I think because obviously there isn't a giant Jor-El that doesn't exist, so that's definitely another yeah. Reason. And it's it's weird how how long it takes Superman to kind of wake up and go, hang on, yeah, you know. It's, so there must be something in the atmosphere, something in the air that's maybe tripping them up a little bit as well. I wonder. Yeah, it's it is really really peculiar, but again, interesting choices later on in Justice League when Jerry Conway's writing it. Quite often, the heroes are confronted by their worst fears. Right. Which generally, whenever this pops up and it happens several times, uh, is a giant version of themselves. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and it's it's really it's not it's not just one time. It happens two or three times. Right. Uh, and it's bizarre. But it's like Jerry Conway couldn't come up with any other ideas <laughs> as to what they would fear. Um, so what does Retorino fear? Uh, a giant version of himself. <laughs> Okay. Fine. Just what, draw it. What is Hot Girl Fear? Uh, two giant versions of herself. <laughs> At one stage, there is like two versions of of uh, one of the characters. I can't remember which. It's been a while since I've read them, but I always find that hilarious. I think it's one of the Doctor Destiny ones. That right. One? Okay. Uh, which makes sense, but sure, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's a similar sort of. I mean, it's mind games that Felix is doing here. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be honest. I haven't read many comics with him in. Oh, I love Felix Faust. Yeah. Well, maybe see listeners if we can put together a Felix cover gallery. Now that I've said that and damned myself, maybe we won't, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> I do find it fascinating as well, the absolute defeatist attitude of Hawkman and the Atom. Basically, Atom saying, we'll just have to lean back and enjoy the show. Yeah. We're being attacked. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. guys, Hawkman, he's got this big spaceship right there that's got, you know, yeah. blasters and weapons on it. Uh-huh. Got, I'm sure the, the satellite the sat- must yeah. have defence mechanisms. Jinx, yeah, I mean, the satellite must have weapons, you'd think. <laughs> Plus, they've got a big emergency button they can hit to summon all the league into action. Yeah. And Hawkman's <laughs> reaction is just like, you know, is this, you know... Have we both gone insane? Yeah. Are we imagining this dragon? We better just sit here and wait yeah. and find out. But then again, this is Hawkman that doesn't believe in the gentleman ghost. Of course. So Despite all the evidence to the yeah. contrary. I mean, it's um, it was nice <laughs> to see them both anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness knows when we'll, we'll see either of the Atom or the Hawkman. Oh, actually, we will see them fairly soon, to be honest. I'm mm. forgetting, forgetting where we are in the timeline. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to pop up that often going forward. Nice to have the Green Arrow cameo as well. Yeah, true. No Black Canary though. No. She, ah, but we'll, we will see her again very soon. Mm-hmm. Nice how it, it does kind of tie it all into what's going on, you know, in their own books at the same time. I mean, I suppose that's the benefit of having Denny drawing it. And there was that interesting point when Superman talked about their universes and cosmoses not being in conjunction. That's quite interesting. Yeah, so that means it couldn't be the Earth 2 Doctor Fate. Yeah, but yeah. that's also something that's going to become, once they, they really sort of formalise the summertime crossovers, mm-hmm. you know, they do talk about, I'm sure in the future, how, you know, it's easier to cross over now because yeah. we're in conjunction at this point, of the, you know, mm-hmm. this point of the year. So that's that's interesting. We'll have to watch again for when that... If anyone other than Denny O'Neill uses that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> or, you know, when that conceit pops up again, uh-huh. you know, that... It's easier yeah. to cross over at certain points. I think we've um, had that in two Denny O'Neill stories so far. It rings a bell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It rings a bell vaguely. Was that, would that have been in the last... It was in the last JLA yeah. one, but and also I think it has come up before. Need to start making more notes about the, we should really, the tiny yeah. details, <laughs> shouldn't we, listeners? That's terrible. Solomon Grundy, his return is imminent, and I'm I'm lying awake at night going, where was he the last time we saw him? Was it the JLA? <laughs> so we're going to have to go back and check through mm. the showcase and JLA issues just so we know exactly what's going on, because that's one thing we have to keep an eye on, is what, what was Grundy up to? Mm. But Dr. Fate, listeners... The real Dr. Fate. Yes, he will pop up before too long, because he is one of Superman's other guest stars in this little period in world's finest history. So if you're a bit disappointed it wasn't the real Dr. Fate, don't worry, because he will be long in a month or two at least. So jumping forward to World's Finest issue 204, and it's World's Finest Fan Mail, which is a bit of a lazy letter com title, I'll be honest. But here we go. The first letter says, Dear Editor, I enjoyed World's Finest 201. In A Prize of Peril, Danny O'Neill explored a subject which I am surprised has never been touched upon before. Naturally, I'm speaking of two different heroes getting in each other's way, especially two ultra-powerful ones like Superman and Green Lantern. Once again, Mr. O'Neill has proven he is one of the greatest comic magazine writers in the world. However, I think it would be ridiculous to have one hero guard Earth from extraterrestrial dangers. Suppose a yellow meteor, or a kryptonite meteor. Only the kryptonite in Earth was transformed into iron. That's a callback to what's happening in yeah. Superman cycles. Superman 233 and all that, yep. Came streaking toward Earth. If it happened to be the hero's weakness, he might be unable to stop it. Also, if there were dangers in two different parts of the world, one hero would not be able to handle both menaces. I'm sure that if the two heroes were not mad at each other, they would have arrived at the same conclusion. I had my reservations when you said that the Batman would no longer be in every issue of World's Finest, but The Flash, Robin and Green Lantern have proved me wrong to the point that World's Finest has become my second favourite comic, Justice League of America being favourites. Yes, it has even passed up Green Lantern, so keep trying. And I hope to see Superman team up with GL to fight an outer space menace in a future issue of World's Finest. Please make a sequel as soon as possible. And that's from Carl Liebold, Cleveland, Ohio. Excellent. And the editorial response is... GL may have to wait a while for a return engagement. Right now, the Teen Titans, Hawkman and a few other heroes are warming up for coming issues. In fact, 204 guest stars Wonder Woman in her wearing civilian clothes Yay. era. So that's quite interesting. We should note here that the editorial responses are from... E. Nelson Bridwell. Ooh. So that's nice. The next letter. Dear Editor, Denny O'Neill did a rather good job on the Superman Green Lantern tale in World's Finest number 201, as did Dick Dillon and Joe Giella. However, it seemed that Mr. O'Neill must have experienced a variety of moods while writing this tale, to prove my point. Pages 1 to 3. Definite emphasis on good old action a la outer space, which dominated many tales of old. Obviously, Mr. O'Neill's reactionary mood. Pages 4 to 5. We now switch to his today mood. Heavy use of emotion, conflict between the protagonists, all of which is done quite well. Pages 6 to 8. Transition and reversion to back to the past feeling with the inclusion of Dr. Fate. Fate rhyming with 8. There, listeners, I hope you realise. Pages 9 to 11. I feel so weird now that I must create a way out menace for GL, such as a giant spider, said Mr. O'Neill. So he did. Pages 12 to 14. All of a sudden I feel silly and ridiculous. This mood certainly manifested itself in the Big Daddy Jor-El scene, complete with inane dialogue for Soupy to utter. It was funny, however, in a nutty sort of way. It certainly was. He does laugh. Mm. Pages 15 to 17. I'm beginning to feel a bit more realistic, so I think I'll start my fable about the evils of rivalry and jealousy now. This is where the tale is at its height of quality, and it really gets good. However, it's obvious that Mr. O'Neill's attack of silliness doesn't completely pass. Referencing page 17, panel 2, Don Knotts. We're still none the wiser. Pages 18 to 22. It's time to conclude my fable and present the ending with its heart-hitting moral. But I also want to show how clever I am. Mr. O'Neill showed this by the incorporation of Felix Faust into the plot and using the contest as an anti-JLA scheme. Amazing. However, I guess it is a variety of moods that makes any story click. One that doesn't have a variety of plot elements and characterizations is dull. And that very fair assessment is from Gerard Triano, Elmont, New York. And the editorial response is... Now let's see, thought Gerald Triano. How can I write a critique of the latest world's finest, listing <laughs> what I liked and didn't like and why, and yet do it in a different way? I have it. I'll turn it into a mind-reading act. Which he did. There we are. And the final letter says... Dear Editor, Denny O'Neill really had me fooled with this month's world's finest. I thought it was another contest between two heroes to see who is better. Well, it wasn't. 
Page 17 made me realise something was wrong when that dragon headed for the JLA headquarters. I was glad to see the phony Doc Fates turned out to be a villain worthy of Superman and Green Lantern. Yes, Felix Faust, back from Limbo, made this scene perfectly. I like Mr O'Neill's idea of what Superman fears the most. It was one of the most original ideas to hit comics in years. Imagine fearing that you didn't live up to your father's expectations so much that you beg to be punished. May I ask you, Mr O'Neill, where in the world would you get such pure genius? Though, though you gave us a stroke of genius with Superman, you struck out with Green Lantern's menace. But I wouldn't worry about it. So I end my pros and cons on the mag, Mr O'Neill, saying thanks for ever being born. And that's from <laughs> Joe Paluzzo, Brooklyn, wow. New York. And the short editorial response to that is... Perhaps you should address those thanks to Denny's parents. <laughs> they had something to do with it, you know, E-N-B. Yeah, the, the Soups and Jarell thing was fascinating. Because you you've always had that sense that Soups is kind of in awe of his dad. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and so it makes sense. I think that you'd be kind of worried about being a disappointment. But mm-hmm. the punishment scenes were very unfortunate. Again, I think it's mental stress and manipulation from Felix Faust. Yeah. I think, and obviously, we know Superman, like all of us, is vulnerable to magic. Of course. Absolutely. Hmm. So, but Gosh. yeah, it's out of context, that one panel, even with context, that one panel is <laughs> ridiculous and will be all over our social Yes, I might even get some t-shirts printed or do a do a Roy Lichtenstein or whatever his name is and wow. copy it and paint it yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Never mind the Batman slapping Robin. No, no, no. How about that's, punish me, daddy? That's better. <laughs> why is that not kind of everywhere? And get, you know, why, why doesn't FP have a massive version of that on the wall? Anyway, far, gosh, probably, I should, probably shouldn't just say any more, should I? <laughs> well, that seems the best place to end the podcast. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so thanks very much for listening. If you want to see some of this content that we're going to put on the social media, then you make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. If you want to drop us a line, you can. We're at the Earth 2 Podcast at gmail.com. We certainly are. If you're feeling generous, you go to wherever it is you receive your podcasts and leave us a positive review. That'd be lovely. If not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But we're not going to spank you. No, it's okay. No, no, we're not going to hunt you down and scalp your bum. Unless you begged, Mr. Peter. Anyway, on that note. <laughs> yes, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll see you again next week on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Punish me, Daddy. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. I have breached that void for reasons of no concern to you and have been enlisted by the Guardian in this manner. Didn't sound too modulated. Sound, I think you need to have that. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Fate, take three. Yes. And an unequal show it is, as the Justice Leaguers watch the action ace. Plum, <laughs>